Have you ever felt frustrated because you just couldn't find a lovely book to read? I can start to crave not just a good book, but a book that draws me in and evokes such a deep emotion that I can say, wow, that was a lovely book. Welcome friends, this is Emmy B on Lovely Books Podcast, where it's my job to highlight the lovely books that keep you reading and connect you to the world. If you're new to Lovely Books, this podcast is more than just a best books podcast. It's about the reader's experience and takeaway. No book reviews, no analysis of literary content, just thoughts and personal anecdotes brought to our minds by the characters and subject matter that we love. That's what brings the book to life for you. I hope we give you something to think about, something to laugh about, and something lovely to read. I'm completely thrilled to introduce to you today my cousin. Um, I was so excited to get her on a Skype call to talk about this book that I completely felt up the beginning of it. So instead of her introducing herself, and the book that she's highlighting today, I'm going to introduce her. So Marianne Snell is my cousin. She's my first cousin. She absolutely loves to read. She's an avid reader, um, and she's also an author. You can find her books on Amazon. She homeschools her two daughters. She lives um, in Texas, but previously she lived in Japan and California. Um, she loves octopus and other strange things. The book she's going to highlight today is called The Translator by Nina Schuyler, and it's a fantastic book. I love the way that she described her first time through reading it, um, that it felt like someone had picked up a snow globe and shook it. It just completely blew her mind um, on communication and communication styles and, and what gets lost in translation, not just interlanguage, but when we're trying to communicate with people that we care about and make sure that the communication is valid and things are understood, so much can get lost. So the book that we're talking about today, The Translator, again by Nina Schuyler, um, is a story of a woman and she is multilingual. She's very educated. She speaks many languages and she has sort of honed her skill down, pared it down until her career is translating novels from Japanese into English. And the beginning of the book, she kind of takes us through this process and through this journey. She finishes her manuscript, sends it off to the editor, and then through a course of some kind of unusual events, she falls and hits her head and loses the use of her first language, which is English. As she's recovering in the hospital, she finds that the language that she speaks and understands as if it were her first language is actually Japanese. So she decides, you know, unable to make sense of the world, she decides that she's going to go to Japan and participate in a conference. While she's there, she has a major transformation. She changes, she learns a lot about herself, she learns a lot about the relationships that she's forged during her life. She learns a lot about her relationship with her estranged daughter. Um, and the transformation is truly fascinating. So we're just going to pick up with her and um, kind of dive into the main character of this book, Hannah. Um, tell me a little bit about her and how she communicates. There's so many things that she's taking in, taking for granted that she knows what they mean when she's completely wrong. <laughs> right. And doesn't know at all. Everybody's brain does not work the same. And just because my brain works a certain way 
doesn't mean that everybody else's works the same way. And it was the same with this, this one where I'm, I'm thinking, you know, she's going through her life with the experience that she's had, you know, growing up. And then she raises her daughter with the experience that she had growing up and trying to understand her daughter in the way that she knows, because that's how her brain works not even realizing until a majority of the way through the book that her daughter's brain works a completely different way and that she sees the world completely differently. Interesting. Yeah, that was one of those that just, like, that part of it just completely knocked me over because there's so much... There's so much as a person, but there's so much as a mother that you just take for granted that, of course, you know what your kids are thinking and why they're doing things that they're doing and you could be completely wrong what are those things that you that you hold on to yeah and how do you how do you remember something you know do you remember it as this great experience or do you remember it as being this horrible thing or and when one person remembers it as being this great experience and the other person remembers it as being this horrible thing if you don't know that about the other person, you're going to have trouble. <laughs> right, right. It's that communication that you think, that unspoken communication that you think is there, you take for granted. This person mm-hmm. knows what I mean. Yeah. And this person had the same experience I did because they were there. Yeah. Right. Right. I love that. So tell me, I and I haven't finished the book, tell me about the masks. The cover of this book has these beautiful Japanese masks on the front of it, and they actually play quite a significant part in her transformation. So there's a tradition in Japanese theater called No. It's performed by these actors who are wearing a mask the whole time. You know, the whole time they're wearing one mask, and it is intended to portray a certain emotion Uh and um and they're beautiful stunning and weird and kind of creepy at Uh the same time um just because they're so evocative of that emotion right um that they're trying you know that they're that they're representing and this is where i wish that i had ever been to a performance Uh um because she has the experience being at this performance that as the actors are using, as they're acting, as they're, they're, they're moving their heads and they're, you know, saying these words that the masks are changing. You know, she thinks that, that the mouth on it looks, you know, like it's a little bit more sad or Hmm. uh, that the eyes are scrunched up which of course they're not. I mean, it's, right. it's mask, but just that ability that the actors have to, with the rest of their body movement and with their voices to portray that emotion, which I think is so foreign to her character because right. she's so, this is how it is. And we, you know, not that she doesn't feel emotion, but right. you know, emotion is kind of this, thing that's kind of a pain and that you don't want to deal with and get it over with as quickly as you can. Right. And then you have these people on stage who are just drowning in it, Right. (laughs) you know, and just feeling every second of that emotion Yeah. um, where she would much rather just say, this is a sad thing, but we can't dwell on it. So let's move on. 
Did you find her to be unfeeling towards other people? What's so funny is, and this is something that I wouldn't have known the first couple of times that I read it, um, but there's a um, a saying in Japanese, which actually she does talk about, um, that's shogunai, which is just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And in the book, she takes that as why are they so like tragic about this? You right. know, like they're as though nothing could ever change. It is yeah. what it is. Nothing can be um, done. Right. Nothing can be done. Um, where in my experience of that statement, it's, it's not a giving up. It's, it's not resignation. It's just kind of a, okay, it is what we, it is. And we'll work with it. Um, more of an acceptance. Yes. Which is what she says. Right. You know, when she's talking, it's kind of a, okay, this is what it is. Let's move on with it. But when other people say it, she doesn't, she sees it as this tragic resignation, mm-hmm. which, yeah, it's just, she is a fascinating character to me. And part of why I don't feel like she's unfeeling is because I see a lot of myself in her. I would much rather not deal with emotion. Right. You know, the mm-hmm. happy emotions, great. Hand right. them over. I will, I will swim in those. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, the sadness and the anger and any of those emotions, I'm like, okay, let's get this over with, with as quickly as possible. Yeah. Let's move through it and let's be done with it. And I have a number of people um, in my family, um, my daughters, who they don't shy away from emotion. Right. If they are sad, they are sad. Mm-hmm. And they are going to feel it and they are going to be in it. And they're not scared to be in it. I think Hannah and myself, I'm just like, I'd much rather not do that. Let's, let's just <laughs> not go there. Let's just skip that I'll one. Skip that experience. <laughs> and, um, and I love it. It's, it's later in the book where she talks about, she, she's talking about her daughter and then she's also talking about um, Moto, the man that she meets in, J- in Japan, that both of them want to have every experience. They want to feel everything. And again, it's just just such a different way than the way her mind works Mm -hmm. that when she's dealing with her daughter, she wants to get through it with her daughter as quickly as possible because then she doesn't have to go through it. You know, when what her daughter really needs is for her just to be there with her and to just sit with her and just be there in that space of sadness. Yeah. And that's one of those moments where I was just like, the the light bulb went on, you know, and it was like, okay, I need to remember this because this is going to come into play. And it has so many times, you know, where one of my daughters is upset and really, 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 really sad. And I would really, really, really like her to not be sad. And I would love to give her, you know, so many solutions for how to get past it and get through it. But what I have to do is just shut my mouth and just sit there and say, I know, I know that you're really, really sad. And just be there until the sad is done. Well, and I just think it's so beautiful that a book can bring these types of lessons to us. 
I think that it really, it really comes down to how we communicate and being aware that communication isn't always easy. We're not always speaking the same language, even if we're speaking the same language. Right. Uh, we have to put in the work to be able to communicate with other people in a way that is actually communicating yeah. um, rather than just assuming, you know, yeah. that you had a conversation and both of you came out of it knowing the same thing. Which never happens, by the way. I don't know why we don't learn that sooner. I feel, I I feel like that is a common problem <laughs> that we all suffer it's from. such a common problem. And yet we just go, we just over and over again, go back to that. Well, of course their brain works the same way mine does. Right? You didn't get that? Of course they had exactly the same experience as I did. One of the main reasons why I read is because I I am big on learning from other people's experiences yeah. <laughs> and, you know, not necessarily having to go through these things on my own. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so being able to get into these, the brains of these other people and how they deal with things or how they respond to something and how that works out for them, um, it's, it's honestly, it's one of my favorite things in the world right. because you just, you get to be in somebody else's life and see what happens without any actual physical, physical danger or physical Consequence, anything. right. No discomfort exactly. other than empathy and no consequence for yourself, but the lesson is no less real. Yes, I love exactly. That. Well, and I was, um, there's some study that they did where they were, they were studying people's brainwaves and when they were reading and when they were doing something and they found that the, the way that the brain works when you're reading is it does the same things that it does when you're actually doing the things that you're reading about. Interesting. So if you're, you know, if you're riding a bike, your brain is doing a certain thing. Right. When you're reading about somebody riding a bike, your brain is doing the same thing. Yes. That's great. So was this book a big hit in your book club? Did people enjoy it? The majority of the people really did. Um, and I think one of the main reasons why it was such a big hit is because the majority of the people at the book club didn't speak Japanese mm -hmm. or spoke a little bit of Japanese, but for a decent amount of the book, she can't communicate. She can only speak Japanese and she's yeah. in San Francisco yeah. and she's trying to tell people things and they can't understand her. And having that experience, <laughs> trying to communicate right. um, when you don't speak the language, um, I think that just, that was so real um, and so present that it made the characters just so much more real yeah. um, because we knew exactly what she was going through. Yeah. I mean, and you lived, how long did you live in Japan? We were in Tokyo for three and a half years. So you have a sense of being out in a world where your ability to communicate is very limited. Oh, absolutely. So there were so many times when we 
were just at the mercy of some beautiful Japanese person who understood a little bit of English and was trying so hard to help us, you know, um, and they would, and it was, it, it truly was amazing to me how far out of people's comfort zones they would go to try to help. Um, because their English was that little bit better than my Japanese. Um, well, and I think there's that sort of humanity in people where they want so badly for you to be understood. Mm-hmm. And I see, I saw that in the relationship, the mother daughter relationship here with mm-hmm. her daughter, just not being, it was, I mean, it was as if her and her daughter spoke different languages. Absolutely. And there gets, there gets to a point where she realizes that they've been speaking different languages and realizes kind of the damage that's mm. been done. Um, and this time reading through it, I kept kind of reading slower because I didn't yeah. want to get to that part because <laughs> it's hard. I mean, yeah. it hits her really, really hard. And I always, I, when we talk about Japan, I, I say that for a good 95% of the time, I was only about 50% sure that I was absolutely sure what was going on. <laughs> and so those moments, you know, where she's realizing what actually happened between her and her daughter and mm-hmm. the ramifications of that, there definitely was always that possibility that the communication that that both people thought was happening was not happening. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Well, I'm actually, as much as you didn't want to get to the end, I'm going to have to like speed read now because, <laughs> now, <laughs> because now I want to, I want to see how this all ties up. Oh, it's beautiful and painful and, but it really is, it comes back to that whole theme of, you have to communicate in order for there to be a relationship. And if you're avoiding communicating because you want to skip those messy emotions, and if you say something, it's going to bring up the messy emotions. So maybe I just won't talk about it. We'll just let it go. Yeah. That you're missing out on that experience and on that, that depth of relationship because you're scared to feel that emotion. What an incredible life lesson. Well, Marianne, before you leave us today, will you send us off with a book recommendation? My current recommendation that I am giving everybody Yay. <laughs> recent current events. I'll um, take it. And it would have been different earlier this week, but um, is, The name of the book is How to Be an Anti-Racist, but it is such a good book, so so applicable to life as we know it right now and kind of how to, I think there are just so many people who just feel so helpless, Mm -hmm. you know, that there's just nothing, you know, there's no way to fix anything and, you know, and this book just has such concrete steps and concrete advice for this is something that you can do. And these are things that are important to do. And yeah, I just, it's another one of those that just kind of breaks your brain open and 
you just kind of start to see everything differently, which is what books are supposed to do. That is what books are supposed to do. Um, so the title is How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kennedy, with an I. Yes, yes. Right. Well, it's always fun to talk about books, isn't it? Oh, it always is. It, it's, yeah, like I said, it's my favorite thing. It's mine too. Well, thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in today. Please remember, if you liked what you heard on today's show, like, share, comment, and subscribe. And tune in next Friday as we highlight another lovely book.